last three weeks we've been looking at the gift of doubt and why doubt is not the enemy of faith. And we've really been looking at a key passage in the book of Mark chapter 9. And so far we've looked at this story about uh, a father, a dad. We've been calling him the old man. He has a demonically possessed son who the demon inside of him is just making this kid's life a living hell. And what we've seen so far in this story, and Brother Tim's going to read my text here in just a second. Tim, if you would, uh, you can read from, if you wouldn't mind, uh, read from my microphone over there while I kind of get ready for, I want to give you the 10 truths that we've kind of looked at so far, 10 things that we've learned the last three weeks. So some of you are just getting here today. Number one, we learned that doubt is at its base, just asking God, uh, just telling God, I don't know. That's all doubt is at this stage. I don't know. I've got questions. I don't know. Number two, we found out that doubt is common to everyone because we are human beings. We've got a, a start date and an end date. We're finite. We're limited. We, ha- we have a need for things. God is infinite. He doesn't have a need for anything. So when you have an infinite God and a finite people, there's going to be some doubt. There's going to be some disconnect. Number three, we said just because we don't understand something about God, it doesn't mean that just because we don't understand something about God, it, it, doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean that it's not true. It doesn't mean that God isn't good. In fact, in Psalm 139, it says, God, your ways are beyond ours. Your wisdom is, is, is amazing. How in the world can I understand it? So the fifth thing we found out was in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says faith is the thing uh, hoped for. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's hope in the things not seen. We found out that even with faith, there is, you can have doubt without faith, but you can't have faith without doubt. So, and the sixth thing we found out was that unbelieving doubt, unbelieving doubt isn't simply, uh, unbelieving doubt isn't simply struggling to believe something. Unbelieving doubt isn't struggling to, to, uh, to, to know something. Struggling doubt is that doubt where we don't even, we, we won't be convinced. We won't let our mind be changed. Doubting, uh, unbelieving doubt just says, God, no matter what you tell me, you're not going to change my mind. You ever argued with somebody like that, that no matter how you talk to them, there was no way they were going to see your side? Uh, well, unbelieving doubt is sort of like that with God. Uh, that's not the type of doubt we're talking about. That's the doubt that becomes sin. Number seven. The truth is we very rarely ever bring our doubts to God. We feel like there's shame if we doubt. If we have questions, somehow we're a failure with our faith. Number nine, uh, I'm sorry, number eight, we, always, we are always inclined to find another solution or distraction from Jesus. That's number eight, which means this. Instead of going to Jesus, we'll talk to our husband or our wow, a wife or to our friend or to our homie or to somebody we work with. We'll put in all these substitutes instead of going to Jesus. Not that there's anything wrong with going to other people, but don't let them become a substitute for Jesus. Uh, We found out, number nine, the father wasn't a perfect man. Uh, He was a dude that had faith that had obstacles in his life. That's all we find out. Number 10, we know that Jesus is the answer to our doubt. And no matter what we do, it's not going to change our doubt. What we do is this. What we do, our actions won't diminish our doubt, but our actions, if we do what we're saying today, they will point us to the direction of Jesus. It'll point us into a direction of hope. Okay, so those are the 10 things we've kind of covered the last three weeks. Brother Tim, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to have you come up and read our passage. If you have your copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to the book of Mark chapter 9. The words will be up on the screen, uh, but if you want to open up your Bible to Mark chapter 9, and uh, Brother Tim's going to read verse 14 through 24 for me. Almighty God, just in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Bless this time, Father, where you've given me a tremendous responsibility and blessing uh, to divide your word this morning in front of these people that I love. But my love for them is nothing compared to the love that you have for them. 
Lord God, let me do a good job as a shepherd this morning, and I pray that whatever distraction, uh, whatever obstacle the enemy has planned for us today, just by the name and by the blood of Jesus, we denounce and we cancel everything that the enemy's camp is wanting to accomplish today. Lord, let your kingdom, let your kingdom come today. Let heaven kiss earth in this moment. And we love you, Lord God. We believe. Help us with our unbelief. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and amen. Brother Tim? Uh, morning, church. Morning, buddy. And they came to the other disciples. They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with him. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with him about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can said Jesus. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Good job, brother. Yo, for the last three weeks, we've been talking about faith and doubt. And today, I kind of want to give you tools to put in your box, uh, your toolbox. I want to give you things, practical things you can do to bring your doubt to Jesus. And this is what they look like. They look like being open with Jesus. It looks like being humble about your doubt. And it looks like being self-aware. That's what taking your doubts to Jesus looks like. This is what it feels like. I'm going to take all those apart for you. The first thing that I see is that we have to be is when we take our our uh, our doubts to Jesus is we have to be open church say open there has to be a certain amount of openness and I I want you to understand openness is sort of like uh, you can see through this jar I can see every single one of you through this jar when you're open with God you're coming to God and you're saying God this is this is it Uh, I I see through me Uh, this is when you just things are plainly stated you're not sugarcoating anything this is the real deal you can see through it when the father came to jesus he was so transparent he was so open with him uh i think the opposite of that is sort of like sugarcoating something if there was a manager who was given the responsibility of telling her team that the company that she works for is laying off a bunch of people and uh the bottom line doesn't look good so she brings her team in together and and she's going to have to lay off a bunch of her team but she wants to sugarcoat it and she says hey guys thank you for coming out today i want you to let you know that the company's going in another direction we're restructuring and so the compensation is going to have to change a little bit uh and so that means that some of you are going to have to exercise your right to pursue other career opportunities someplace else and i want you to know that dunder mifflin and supports you uh, in your career choices and, and we're here to help in any way we can. Uh, good luck in the future. You see all that thing, all that, all that manager did is all she did was she sugarcoated something. She made something sound better than what it was. That was not transparency. That was not openness. And when we look at the dad, the truth of the matter is he could have sugarcoated the situation. The old man could have said, 
Hey, Jesus, hey, it's so good to see you. I brought my son, little Ricky, over here, and I, I just need to tell you about him a little bit. Uh, he's a very curious kid. He's a good boy. Uh, but, you know, sometimes he, uh, he will act out, and sometimes he'll have these episodes where he'll just lay flat as a board. He won't say anything. It's, it's the darndest thing. And, you know, sometimes he, he gets a little too close to the fire, and sometimes he might get a little close to the swimming pool, and... You know, it's just part of the condition. He's curious. It's part of his nature, Jesus. And anyway, I, I brought him to your disciples to see if they could maybe help him. And they didn't seem they could get their, their arms around the problem. So, you know, Jesus, if you can help, great. And if you can't, that's fine. We'll just go back home. The old man didn't say that. He didn't sugarcoat. He didn't say his kid had a condition. He didn't say, oh, that's just his curious nature. When the old man went to Jesus, dude was as transparent as glass. In fact, this is what he says about the boy. He says, Teacher, I brought my boy to you. He's made peaches like it uh, by a demon to you. Whenever it seizes him, this is what it does. It throws him onto the ground. He foams at the mouth. The dude grinds his teeth. He gets stiff as a board. I told your disciples, hoping that maybe they could help him out. But, but man, they couldn't. And Jesus said, how long has this been going on? And the, the old man says it's been going on since he was a little boy. Sometimes it will throw him in the fire. Sometimes it will throw him into the lake trying to kill him. If you can do anything, Jesus, have a heart. Help us out. Dude, you're not sugarcoating nothing with Jesus. Told him exactly how the cow was eating the cabbage. He didn't put an ounce of Splenda. Didn't put an ounce of sugar on it. Got a question for you. How, you okay? How much sugar do you put on your how much sugar do you put on your stuff that you tell God? How much sugar? How much do you try to polish up the situation? How much do you try to make the situation sound less severe than what it is? Y'all just tell Jesus what's going on in your life. Be transparent with Him. Be open with Him. What do you need in your life? Do you need to get real about with either somebody else or maybe with God in prayer? But there is something in your life that is consuming you. You just need to get open with yourself first and then get open with God. So be open with Him. The second thing is this. Uh, the second thing, uh, if, if, if taking our doubt to God looks like openness, I think the second thing you have to remember is humility. Uh, I am throwing this on Miss Suzanne. I didn't even tell her I was going to do this. What am I going to do to you? Do you have a microphone? I want you to tell me the testimony you told me in my office when I was studying and praying you interrupted me, and it was a divine appointment. I want you to tell the church how you humbly depend upon God. I depend on Him for everything. I can't do anything for myself. As everybody knows that I can't see very well, I can't walk very well, that, uh, but I depend on Him for everything. I mean everything. Whenever I have to do something, just like I was telling Brother Mike, whenever I get ready to fix the, my little dog's water bowl, I will clean it out, and I'll set it on the floor. And then I'll take my pitcher, which is full of water, and before I ever pick it up, I'll look up and I'll say, Now, Lord, I can't do this myself. Now, you're going to have to help me take this to the water, water bowl right there because you know I don't have the strength to do this. I pick that up. He said, Okay, put it down low and empty it. Who tells you that? My Lord and my Savior tells me that. Amen. He speaks to me all the time. Amen. It's a good thing he does, because I'm, I'm, I think all through this, I wondered why, why am I in this shape as I am? Why am I like this? But 
But Lord, I believe every day that he humbles me every day that I need him constantly because he told me the other day as I was reading scriptures, he said, just let me take your hand and you, I'll lead you. You just hold on to me and I'll get you to where you need to go. So I just let him take care of me. I mean, if I can still read, I can do the things I need to do, but I depend on him for everything, everything. And I'm just thankful for it. She told me that while I was studying this particular part of the message this morning, humility. If being open with God is like being clear and transparent with him, then humility is coming to God saying, God mold me. This is who I am. If humility is, every, is anything, humility is sort of like water. If I would have poured this into a pitcher that was serpentine-shaped, it would have taken the form of the serpentine vessel. If it would have been in the shape of an amp, it would have formed to the shape of an amp. Whatever water goes into is the form that it takes. It doesn't make the glass change. It doesn't make the box change. The water is humble and it says, you know what, I'll be formed by whatever I am in. Humility looks like this, church. It means that you don't think any more of yourself than you should. It means you give credit where credit's due. Uh, humility is being comfortable in your own skin. Humility is understanding that you've got flaws and you've got mistakes and you're not perfect and you're, you're okay with that. You know that you're broken. You know that you've got hang-ups. You know that you have hurts and you have habits. You're, you're, you're not a super Christian, okay? We, we know that. And you know what? It's the folks that seem so high and mighty. I don't know about you. I don't like to spend a lot of time with them. They're creepy. We're all broken. And to come to God humbly and say, God, here I am, warts and all. Will you, will you shape me and mold me into whatever you want me to be? Because I'll do it. I'm dependent upon you for everything. I want to show you a passage in the book of Matthew. It doesn't talk about the Father specifically, but it talks a whole lot about humility. Jesus' disciples come to him, and they talk about the exact opposite of humility. And they say, Lord, who's the greatest in your kingdom? Okay, the exact opposite of, of this idea of being humble. And Jesus called a little child. Church, say little child. If you were a little child in the first century, you had zero rights. You were seen as a piece of property. You were best seen, not heard. And kids, you know, kids were kind of, that, they were on the fringes. They weren't even full citizens. So when Jesus said, hey, you, little boy, come over here from the middle of the room. Come over here and stand by me in the middle of the room. From the edges, come over here. Man, this is the first time this kid's ever been in the middle of a group of adults, and now the rabbi is talking about him to everybody else. Then Jesus said in verse 3, I tell you the truth, y'all. Y'all talking about being great in the kingdom. The person who's the greatest in the kingdom, you got to be changed, and you got to become like this little kid. Otherwise, you're never going to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, Jesus, what's that mean? The greatest person in the kingdom of heaven is the one who makes himself or herself what? God, I can't do anything without you. I can't even water my dog. I need you. I need you to help me out. And the amazing thing, you know, when, when we have kids, God gives us our kids so we can pour ourselves into them and shape them. And this is the amazing thing. You know, there are some kids that are just as stubborn and hard-headed as a mule. But I'm going to tell you something about a kid who will take a lesson and learn. Those kids that have a teachable heart, you can raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord and they will take the shape of what you're pouring into them. God, when I come to you, I want to come to you humbly. 
When we realize that we're really like that kid standing uncomfortably in the middle of the room surrounded by the glory of God, we didn't even bring anything to the party. Everybody else brought snack foods and drinks and everything else. We're kids. We were counting on mom and dad to bring something. We have nothing in our hands. Church, we've got to realize who we are, what we brought to the party. Dad's confession about doubt, he says these words. He says, Lord, help my unbelief. Man, that's the humility. Lord, shape me inside. Lord, do something with me. And that was just the starting point of where his faith would increase. When, when the old man went to Jesus, he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Even by going to Jesus to begin, to begin with. Even with, his, even with his doubt. Church, he had to admit that he believed in God to admit that he even had doubt. Lord, I believe you, but I still have doubt. Lord, I believe that you can heal my son, but I still have doubt. Lord, I believe that you can heal my family, but I still have doubt. Well, Brother Mike, that doesn't sound right. You need to understand something. That didn't turn Jesus off. When the guy was real with Jesus and he said, I believe, help my unbelief, you need to understand something. Jesus didn't leave the guy. For you and me, that's pretty good news. Brother Mike, I believe, but I don't know if he's going to heal my marriage. I don't know if he's going to heal my cancer. Lord, uh, Mike, I believe that the Lord can, can heal my kids, but I don't know if he will. Daggum, guys, we've all said that. We've all said that. Every one of us, if we're real, we've all said that. Now, it's that leap from, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I trust. Yes, I know that you're the God eternal. Yes, I know that there is nothing beyond you. We agree with that first, and then we say, okay, God, you need to know something. I still struggle with what I just said, and I believe. There is this dichotomy. There is this tension inside of us. Yes, I believe, and Lord, I need you to help me believe better than I do at this moment. You got anything in your life that you need to help God believe, that you need help from God to help you believe more? To trust Him more. This is what that prayer would sound like. God, I know you can blank. But I need you to help me believe more and believe better. Lord, I believe that you can heal my body. But I need you to help me believe more and to believe better. Jesus, I believe that you can heal my addiction and take it away. But I need you to help me believe more and to believe better. Lord, I need you to heal me of my, uh, I need you to heal my body or my mind or fix my hang-ups or mend my heart. Lord, I believe that you can touch the relationship between me and my kids or me and the relationship between me and my husband or my wife. But I need you to help me believe more and to believe better. Preacher, I don't want to do that. I've done that before and it doesn't work. I love you. Let me tell you something. That is not believing faith. You've got to believe that God can continue to affect and move in your life through your entire life. It's not a one and done. You keep trusting Jesus your entire life. Bringing your doubts to Jesus is supposed to look and feel like being open with Him. Being transparent. It's supposed to be us humble. Let Him shape us. Let Him form us. Let Him move us. The last thing it looks like is this. Self-awareness. It looks like self-awareness. You step up to the mirror and you see all your blackheads and all your zits and all your sin. You pull up to the mirror and you see who you are. The mirror is to openness as to the glass is. It's to humility as the water is. Self-awareness. We look up to the mirror and we see everything there is to, to be about us. Little Ricky's dad came to Jesus with a very firm understanding of the situation. 
The old man knew that Rick was sick. He knew that the boy was hurting. He came to God. He came to Jesus and His disciples, God in the flesh. And He wasn't mad. He wasn't angry. He wasn't brash. He wasn't cocky. When he came to Jesus, he didn't try to appear bigger than what he was. He didn't say, I tell you what, J.C., you heal my boy, little Ricky, I'll make sure that I build you a church there in Nazareth. Everybody be proud of it. He didn't say that. It, the old man knew that he couldn't do anything for you. In fact, the old man could have said, I tell you what, you heal little Ricky, I'll become one of your disciples and I'll roll with you. He didn't say that. There was no deals going on. The old man wasn't trying to make him appear to be anything or anyone other than who he was. He was looking in the mirror and he said, man, all I've got is this sick kid. I've ran out of all the options I have. I can't find another doctor. I can't take him to another psychiatrist. I've went to every preacher. I've went to every counselor. I've went to every psychotherapist. I can't do anything. I can't take any more time off work. Me and my wife are about to get divorced because we can't put up with this. It's tearing us apart. We ain't got no money because we're spending it on doctors trying to help this kid. Jesus, I don't know if I can go one more step, but I'm coming to you. Here's the amazing thing, y'all. This man took little Ricky to every doctor and counselor and pastor when he gets to Jesus. Jesus, by this time, Jesus has his last resort. But praise God, it's also his best resort. You might have came to Jesus late, but I got good news for you. He can still do something. Even if you're walking in a weak faith right now, Jesus can do something. He can, he can lift you up. So when we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We're saying, Lord, I believe. But there's parts of my faith that are weak. All right, bringing doubts to Jesus are supposed to look like being humble, being open, being self-aware. All right. Good message so far. This would be a great place to end the sermon. But I'm not. Um, it's early still. Methodists are still in church. We're okay. Uh, I think. It's a five-word prayer. I told you what it looks and feels like. I think it did an okay job with that. It looks like being open, humble, self-aware. This is what it sounds like. It's a five-word prayer. Lord, I believe... Help my unbelief. That's what it sounds like. The dad could have said, hey, Jesus, help me. He could have said, Jesus, I believe. Can you send a blessing my way? He could have said, oh, Lord, I'm struggling. I need something. And every one of those prayers were spot on. They would have been accurate. But it wouldn't have moved the needle on the old man's faith one bit. Because all he was saying, if, if that would have been his prayer, all he would have been saying was, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But instead he said, Man, I want my boy to be well, but Lord, I also want to believe in you better. I also want to be able to trust in you. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. Y'all, that lives in the reality of believing in God and also doubting and admitting the struggle that sometimes you don't know and sometimes you have questions. Faith is not the absence of doubt, church. Faith is what we send to fight doubt. Um, faith is what we send to fight doubt. Yep, I got doubt. Jesus, take care of it. Jesus, I, I'm having a hard time believing. Will you help me believe better? It's that five-word prayer. And it is a wonderful thing. I believe. Help my unbelief. It's a confession. It's a prayer of confession. Number one, you're saying, I confess. I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the Alpha and the Omega. You have no beginning and end. You're the Creator of all things. Lord, I believe. There's a confession of faith. But then there is also a confession of doubt. But Lord, help my unbelief. I don't always get it, Lord, and sometimes I doubt you, and sometimes I, I don't even want to talk to you, Jesus. Well, preacher, I can't believe you just said that. Well, I've got the guts to say that. 
I've been there. And if you were honest, you've been there too. You've been there. Faith is not the absence of doubt, or it's not the absence of question. Faith is how we rightly respond to them. I believe that it is a prayer of confession and a prayer of doubt. I believe, help my belief, unbelief is a prayer of faith too. It's from a place of faith to be praying over an area of your life where more faith is required. Lord, I believe, but there's an area here in my life where my faith needs to be stronger. My belief needs to be reinforced. Can you help me do that? All right. I think I've got like a a half of a page left, so stay with me. I want to know God, man. I wish my walk was a whole lot more consistent than what it is. I have a desire to know Him. And that desire inside of you and me to know God is the flame. We desire to know His power, His strength. We want Him to be our best friend. We want Him to be closer to us than a brother. Now, even back where Jason is sitting, do you see the flame moving? Do you know why the flame moves? It's because we can't see it, but there's, there's air currents in the room. And what, what moves the flame is the air. It's the resistance. It's the movement. But it doesn't go out. <sighs> but it doesn't go out. Okay, Y'all... In your life, your faith burns. You want to know God. You want to trust God. You want to follow God. You want Him to be your best friend. But in our life, there's all kinds of things that push against us. There's divorce, and there's addiction, and there's bitten fire. There's creditors, and there's rotten neighbors. There's too much month at the end of the paycheck. And it moves us but it doesn't go out. Guys, just because your faith is shaken, just because you have doubts and questions, it doesn't mean you're lost. It doesn't mean you're not saved. If anything, you can take those doubts, guys, and take them to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe, but I need you to help me believe better over my health. Or Lord, I believe, I need you to help me believe better over my kids. And I've got a lot of things in my life trying to blow it out, trying to take me away. But Lord, I believe. I believe, help my unbelief, is a prayer during good times. It's a prayer during bad times. It's the prayer during bad times. It's not meant to be a mantra. It's not meant to be some type of a chant. It's supposed to be a framework for you to build your faith. That says, Lord, I, I don't know why sometimes that things happen the way they do. But I know I believe in you. I know you're good, and I know you love me. You proved it to me by dying on the cross for my sin so I could live for you with you forever. Lord, I believe that, but there's times I question it. Preacher, I, I don't know if I can do that. The guy in Mark 9 did, and God honored it. Why are you putting higher strict restrictions on yourself than what Jesus puts on you he knows who we are. Remember the prayer is a prayer of confession and of faith and a profession of faith. Y'all, what do you need to take to God today? If my team could come up, I'd appreciate it. What do you need to take to God today? 
Maybe it's an area in your life that you're struggling with. You're doubting He's going to come through or doubting to heal, doubt to provide. Maybe you're wrestling with, your, with, with, with an identity issue. Maybe you're a, a wrestling with, with what to do at work or what to do with home. Man, I don't know. Maybe what you're dealing with that you need to take to God today, maybe it's a question. I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if I, I believe that He's real. I don't know if He exists. Well, let's take care of that. With your doubt and your... What you have going on, I, I encourage you today to come to Jesus open. Don't sugarcoat anything today. Tell Him exactly what's going on. Come to Him humbly, say, Lord, here I am, mold me, shape me. And come to Him with self-awareness. Okay, I see who I am. And I also know who you are. Today, if you would say, Lord, I believe you can blank, but help me believe more and help me believe better. I want you to think of what your prayer would sound like. Lord, I believe you can, fill in the blank, but help me believe more and help me believe better. What do you need to bring to God today? Some of you, you need to say, Lord, I believe, before you can say, help my unbelief. Some of you need to come to Jesus today because you've never confessed that you're a sinner. You've never confessed your belief in Jesus as Savior and to be saved. You've never confessed to be redeemed. You've never confessed to have your sins washed away. You need to do that before you do anything else. If I could ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. Today, if you've never come to Christ, you've never given your heart to Him, it's time for you to come in out of the cold today. It's time for you to give your heart to Him and say, Yes, Lord, I believe. So today, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus for the very first time or maybe recommit your life to Him, Again, I invite you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I have fallen short of your glory. I am imperfect. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, died a horrific death, and experienced miraculous resurrection. You're the real deal. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sin. I believe in you. Be my Lord and Savior. Now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, man, if you've been introduced to Jesus today for the first time, welcome to the family. Maybe you've rededicated your life to Jesus. Welcome back home. But that doesn't change the fact that there's that gnawing, that gnawing need in your life. That doesn't change the fact that there is something in your life that you've been struggling with, you've got questions about, you've got doubts about, you don't know about. My challenge to you today is to come to Him open, humbly, fully aware of what's going on with who you are, and just bring Him to Jesus saying, Lord, I know you can, but will you help me believe more and help me believe better? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet while you're still in that praying position. Stand to your feet. Lord, I believe you can, but I need you to help me believe more and to believe better. How would you finish that prayer? In a moment, we're going to do a time of invitation. I'm going to give you a chance to come forward and to simply say that prayer in the way you can, the way that only you can. Saying, Lord, I need you and I believe you can but I need some help 
Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for people that you saved today. I want to thank you for people, Lord God, that you have uh, restored today. You've already set them on a path of healing and recovery today. You've already set them going in a different direction than when they came in here this morning. But Lord God, I pray that you go a little bit further with some of us. Lord, I pray for those who are about to make a decision to just come forward and just begin the conversation with you saying, Lord, I believe you can, but help me believe more and help me believe better. I pray for those souls who are about to come, Father, and I pray that you would give them a supernatural release this morning. Give them supernatural blessing this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Because, God, we need you. We We can't go nowhere else. You've got the answers. And we ask this in your precious and holy name, Jesus. And amen. What are we going to sing, Brother Chris? The invitation is open. Would you come this morning?